You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Hope is what kills you. These are the lines called out by cantankerous barmaid May in the breakout show Ted Lasso recently. But if you are a long-suffering sports fan, you'll know something about this. I grew up as a Richmond fan, and from the ages of 11 to 27, my year basically consisted of working out how on earth my beloved football team was going to stuff this season up. Right? It's the hope that kills you. It's when you get your hopes raised, that's when you get crushed. And whilst that may be true about sports, that also can bleed over into the Christian life sometimes. Don't pray big prayers. Don't expect much from God. Don't ask for healing from the Lord. Don't ask for our friends to know Jesus. Don't ask much of anything from God and you won't be disappointed. It's the hope that kills you. It's interesting when you read much of the Old Testament, the Psalms, that so much of their processing is processing grief and processing it out loud with God. You think of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? When's the last time that we sang a song like that in church? Maybe it's our hope. And maybe it's not actually hope that kills us, but our lack of hope that comes to get us. Because have you, you ever felt like that? You ever felt like God was distant from you? Felt like God wasn't hearing your prayers? Felt like that, that you, you know, it's not like that you're not a Christian anymore, but you're coming to church and it just washes over you like there's, there's nothing going on. What's going on? Maybe it's the lack of hope that gets us. James, the brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 4 that you do not have because you do not ask. And sometimes I wonder if we don't ask because we don't expect. We don't expect to kill sin, so we don't ask God for the strength to kill sin. We don't expect God to transform lives, so we don't ask God to transform Lives. Maybe it's the lack of hope that kills us. Hope matters. Hope is important. Paul says as much when he writes this letter to the church in Colossae. He starts off by saying, In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for you have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. He He centers their faith and their love. He says, you are a faithful congregation. You trust Jesus and you live lives that are shaped by Jesus. Your faith is not just a a Sunday thing. It's an all-the-time thing. And in fact, you love all the saints. There's no separating into different groups here. There's not the Malayalam group and the old Cranbernian group and the young adult group and the youth group. Everyone loves Jesus. Everyone, There's no division in the church. This is a good church, a faithful church. And it's important what he says next. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. 
I have heard of your faith and I have heard of your love because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Hope changes us. Hope is important. It's necessary. It's because of hope that this church is able to live Jesus-shaped lives. It's because of hope that they love all people. And when we talk about hope, there's different kinds of hope, isn't there? There's subjective hope, the kind of hope that says, I hope that this might happen. I hope that Damien Hardwick works out Richmond's game plan for next year and we win the premiership again. I hope that we don't go into lockdown. I hope that I'll be able to fit into those genes that I really love after two years of lockdown eating. Right? I hope that maybe, maybe this will happen. That is not the kind of hope that Paul is talking about. He's not talking about a subjective hope. He's talking about an objective hope, something that is secure and anchor. Look at the words that Paul writes in verses 13 and 14. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's not saying, well, I I hope maybe one day that Jesus might rescue us from the power of darkness, that maybe one day we might have the redemption of, of, of the forgiveness of sins, that this might happen one day. He's saying, it is done, it's finished. Right When Jesus breathes his last breath on the cross, he doesn't say it might be done. He says it is finished. It is final. It is secure. The kind of hope that is being talked about here is not a maybe, might be, one day kind of hope, but it is the kind of hope that is secure and strong. It is signed, sealed, delivered by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. is not a maybe, might be kind of hope. And that's why it's so important that we don't move past the gospel. When we become a Christian for the first time, if you can think back to that, that moment when you first started trusting Jesus, you, you might remember how that, that message of his life and death and resurrection, how it offers the message of his life and death and resurrection, how it offers forgiveness from sins, experience adoption into God's family, that was so precious. But I've been a, I've been a Christian since I was 11 years old. right? I've, I've been a Christian for 20 years. It's a long time and you start to, to think about other things. It's easy just to move past that message. We, we hear about it each and every week at church. It's easy just to move past it. But we cannot move past it. It is the basis of our hope. That's what Paul talks about. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, you have heard of this hope before in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. Hope matters. It's something for us to meditate upon. The gospel, the grace available in Jesus, it's not something we move 
past, it's something we think about, we dwell on, we meditate upon what riches Jesus has given us in his word. It's important we do this not just as individuals but as communities. Because I don't know about you, but there are plenty of times that I've been incredibly discouraged as a Christian where I've walked into church on a Sunday and the hope that I had has just gone. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just present. But it was the presence of my brothers and sisters in Christ singing, reading God's word to me that reminded me of what hope there is in Jesus. I, I distinctly remember uh, about four or five years back, Sarah was diagnosed with cancer. I've talked about this before, and I remember the first Sunday that I went back into church, and I was preaching that morning. Right? I'm preaching, and my, my wife has cancer, and I'm, I've just had this crazy week, and I'm thinking, how on earth am I going to get up there and say the things that I need to say? Who, where am I going to get this hope from? Where am I going to get this strength from? And I had one of the most profound experiences as a Christian Listening to the people singing. Listening to the church singing so loud, encouraging me and centering me on Jesus because the strength that morning came not from me but from Him. That's where my hope is in. Don't move past the gospel. We need it for ourselves and to encourage one another. But where do we hear this from? One of my favorite lines in this book is 7 and 8. This you learn from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Now, it's interesting that he actually talks about hearing quite a lot in these verses. So in verse 3, it says, we have heard of your faith. In verse 5, it says, you have heard of this hope. And in verse 7, it says, you learned from Epaphras. Who did you hear it from? Who did Paul hear about the church in Colossae's faith? From Epaphras. Who have they heard of the hope that is available in the gospel? From Epaphras. Who did they learn about this from? Epaphras. Epaphras is an agent of hope. Everywhere that he's going, he's reminding people about Jesus and the life and grace in him. He's saying, hey, Paul. Paul, remember Jesus? Remember, look at what he's doing in this church. Hey, church, don't lose sight of what what Jesus is doing in you and your lives. Joseph, don't lose sight of Jesus. Mitch, keep your eyes on Jesus. Epaphras is going around being an agent of hope. And so the question for us is, who has had their hope increased this week because of our presence? Who has been encouraged in the Lord this week because of something we've shared with them? See, we can tear each other down. And Lord knows that we do it in church just as well as anywhere else. But this is the model to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need other people reminding us of being agents of hope. Who have you encouraged this week? If you've received an email from me, 
you might see at the very last line, I'll always write, keep trusting Jesus. Now, I didn't come up with this. A friend sent that to me once and I was like, I'm stealing that. Right? And it's become such second nature to me now that now I send it to everyone accidentally, even if I don't know they're Christians. So my, my real estate agent, well, they've been told to keep trusting Jesus. Right? Everyone. And it's not that it's like earth-shattering, it's just a reminder. Keep trusting Jesus. Because there are going to be moments where we need to be reminded, we need to be agents of hope in each other's life. Keep Trusting Jesus. Then Paul, who's been talking about praying for them, about how much he loves this church, he basically writes down a prayer for them. And it's it's a beautiful prayer. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul says, I've been praying for you and I've been asking for you. It's not just praying for people by name, not just praying for for Joseph or for Darren or for Diane. He's asking the Lord. He's pleading before the Lord that they might be filled with the wisdom of God. He's not just praying general prayers. He's specifically asking God to act in certain ways. So here's a challenge. If God answered yes to every single one of your prayers this week, who would be encouraged? Who would be blessed because of your prayer life? Who would become a Christian perhaps for the first time? Who would know Jesus more because of your prayers? Who are you asking God about in your prayer life? We need not just to be praying, but asking God. And Paul specifically asked that they might be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding because Paul knows that the kind of knowledge of God he's talking about doesn't just come from a book. If you want to learn science, you open a textbook. If you want to know God, it has to be revealed to you through the Spirit. So Paul is pleading with them, pleading with God. Help them understand. May they be filled with the knowledge of Him. And then he prays, I think, one of the most beautiful frameworks for the Christian life there is. So that they may live lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, as they bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from His glorious power and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience whilst joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He prays that they may walk with the Lord, that they may work, walk in a manner worthy of God, that the way they live their lives would look like Jesus. He prays that they might bear fruit, that they may not just be the kind of person that comes to church on a Sunday and knows lots of Bible facts, but that others might be blessed through them, that others might know of Jesus because of them. He prays that they might endure, right? That when the tough times come, they continue, they last with patience. And he prays that they might have joy, that they may be a joyful, thankful people. 
It's not hope that kills you. It's hope that changes us. It's hope that transforms us. It's hope that enables us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. It's hope that allows us to bear fruit. It's hope that strengthens us to last with patience and endurance. It's hope that is the soil out of which thankfulness grows. It's not a general hope. It's a hope in Jesus. It's a hope that says He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's what we're hoping in. And that hope is safe, secure. That hope is the hope which needs to change us. So let me pray for us this morning that that hope might change us too. Father, we thank you for this word from the book of Colossians and the the way that Paul prays for his church. May we be agents of hope like your servant Epaphras. May we be people that when others come into contact with us, that they are encouraged, that they're blessed, that they want to know more about Jesus. God, I ask you that you may fill this church with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and understanding, so that we may work, walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, so that we may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled us to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Father, we pray that this happens through the Spirit for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.